0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. It is a wet and dreary Monday here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yet in the hearts of Colts fans, it is bright and sunny because for the first time since week 9 of 2015, the Colts have sole possession of the AFC South. They are division leaders after week 7.
1: Yeah, You're absolutely right, Joe. Don't be... uh... Don't let the gray skies delude you out there. I, it, it's blue, uh, sunshiny birds are singing because the Colts got a big win. I mean, this uh, the Kansas City win, I think, is the biggest win of the season. This is is, is right
0: in second. Absolutely. And, and to have these two in a row, I know the bye week was in between, but that definitely played to the Colts' benefit. To have these two wins in a row heading into what is a favorable schedule um, for the next several weeks will be very good for the Colts. But we'll get to that in a little bit. First off, we have to start with who I think we both agree is the player of the game. Jacoby Brissett had a career day, 26 of 39 passing for a career high, 326 yards, four passing touchdowns, no interceptions. 126.7 126.7 passer rating and after the game Brissett remained humble he said a day like today does not make me the man it makes us more balanced we proved that we can throw the ball and boy did they Matt
1: yeah they, they threw the ball a lot I mean uh, they had you know almost 40 dropbacks or 40 attempts by him uh, they did have another <laughs> attempt by Zach Pascal we'll talk about that a little bit later but uh, it, it was clear in this game that the Colts thought that the, te- the, the Texans thought the Colts were going to run. The Colts thought the Texans thought the Colts were going to run, so the Colts came out throwing. They threw a lot on first down in this game, which is not something that we typically see the Colts do. Uh, a lot of times they will run uh, they will ride that running game and they will run first run second down they didn 't do that this week uh, and in some cases uh, early in the game, even that got them a little bit you know they always talk about being on schedule when you you want to get yards on first down and sort of. They had a lot of incompletions on first down on a few of their drives, and that meant that now you're in second and ten, and and you're going to pass, and you're going to pass, and you're going to have to do it. And, you know, they showed this week that they could make that work,
0: and Jacoby Brissett made it work. Absolutely. The Texans, after, you know, getting absolutely trounced, getting run all over at home in the playoffs, they definitely had that game fresh in their minds. Um, Coach Bill O'Brien was not going to allow the Colts to just run it down their throats again. They were going to make Brissett, who I think at this point some could still say is somewhat unproven quarterback oh, in Oh, for league. sure. I,
1: I mean, aside from that Atlanta game that he had
0: that was a, a big game for him, his his numbers have been modest, to say the least. Absolutely. So they were going to test Brissett and make him beat them. Um, and Frank Wright kind of foresaw that coming into the game. He said during Saturday night's team meeting, quote, we had to throw it today. I felt we'd run it a little bit better than we did, but we said if we're going to win this game, we're going to have to come up big in the passing game. I think he was kind of one step ahead of the Texans there, knowing that they were going to try and shut down the run. And so, like you said, they turned to Brissette early. They kind of did it uncharacteristically, but um, the key word in this win I would say is balance because they've... One games this season just running the ball and gutting it out, playing a ball-control game, and they've shown that they can run win games through the air as well.
1: And and what I liked about this one is even though the running game was for the most part ineffective. They had some early runs that, you know, they were busting out 5-6 yards consistently and then it really just kind of the, the running lanes pretty much disappeared on them. But the Colts never really I know that there's a disparity in the number of pass plays they had and the number of run plays they ran, but they really never even late in the game gave up on the running game. They kept trying to run the ball and you kept thinking, "Oh, maybe they're going to pop one here or there," but they they still kept with it. I like that. They know that's their identity. It wasn't really successful for them, but they still kind of kept that mentality, we're going to try to grind this thing out.
0: It wasn't successful in terms of offensive production. Right. You know, Marlon Mack had 44 yards on 18 carries. For those uh, doing the math, it's 2.4 yeah. yards yeah. a pop. It's not good. Uh, running backs combined for Indianapolis had 56 yards on 21 carries. But I think one of the key measures here is the Colts once again won time of possession during this game. Uh, almost 33 minutes to the Texans' 27, and that really helps limit Houston's opportunities because you get a talented quarterback like Deshaun Watson, enough tries, he's going to put points up on the board, so um, sticking with that running game is really a key for the Colts. Frank Wright has talked about in the past how he really needs to stick with it. He told his offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, don't let me get away from the run, and the Colts are now 11-1 and one in games where Marlon Mack gets 15 or more carries.
1: Well, again, like I so, said, I'm just glad they, they stuck with it. it. It didn't produce like they had... Hit- Produced in the past few weeks, um, but you, there's something about having the threat of the running game that really does help the, the passing game, especially when you're the Colts and maybe you don't think that they can pass as well as you know they would if they had luck at quarterback. But Brissett showed, you know, you give them those one on one matchups, you give them some time, he can hit his guys,
0: and he did a good job of that this week. Yeah, and a guy he hit uh, often was second-year wide receiver Zach Pascal. He's really sk- stepped up recently in the absence of Devin Funches, who hopefully the Colts will be getting back in a few weeks. But Pascal had a career day, um, tied a career high with six receptions, also had 106 yards, which is a career high, two touchdowns in the game. Um, he's second on the team in receiving yards through – six games, at 239. He's also second with three receiving touchdowns. we kind of been waiting for the flashier younger guys, like the Deion Canes, and I know Paris hurt <laughs> is hurt right now. Is he ever, ever going to but... play? Paris Campbell ever going to play? You know, you feel like that sometimes. Exactly, but P- Pascal's really been the guy to step up, and I don't think a lot of a lot of people would have predicted that heading into the season.
1: Absolutely not, and, and I don't know how you can't root for somebody like Zach Pascoe. He'd gotten cut by a couple of other NFL teams. He played at Old Dominion. Uh, not a not a prospect that you know people were just uh, wanting to have on their NFL roster, but you know he carved his niche and with the Colts. he He's a good special teams player. They told him, well, if you want to be successful in this league, you've got to be a good special teams player. So he became a great special teams player. They told him, you know, if you want to play in this league, then you're going to have to be a good blocker. He's probably the best of their blocking receivers out there that they've got, he'll do the little dirty work. And then this week, he got to do the, the big play stuff and that that gets you on the stat sheet, that gets you noticed by people. And it's just, you know, that's that's a lot of hard work and a lot of disappointment. But
0: uh, in some respects, it's, it's all worked out for Zach Paschal. Absolutely, got to feel great for a guy like that. Uh, the Colts have had some success picking up undrafted free agents who were cut by the Titans between Zach Paschal and Jack Doyle. Uh, another player who was certainly not undrafted T.Y. Hilton came back. He looked better, looked healthy this week.
1: He needed that week off. He, he really, really did. did. Um, I, I know they sort of uh, – he cut a few passes against the the Chiefs, but it, he was really more of a decoy of, yeah. hey, he's out there and you have to account for him more than he was changing the game for them there. as um, from a stat perspective. This week it was a little more T.Y. Hilton-esque.
0: Absolutely. He had six receptions on ten targets, 74 yards in that touchdown. The touchdown really made me happy because for so long, T.Y. Hilton was this player who wasn't really much of a red zone threat. And the Colts have come up with crafty ways to really get a smaller guy more involved in the red zone. Um, another guy who has been a red zone weapon for the Colts over the past year and a half has been Eric Ebron. Four catches, 70 yards, both season highs. Caught his third touchdown on of the year on a ridiculous catch in the back of the end zone. One-handed both feet down. After the game, Adam Vinatieri apparently told him that that was one of the best 25 receptions he's ever seen.
1: I, I mean, and uh, how many receptions has Adam Vinatieri seen in his uh, career, his long and illustrious career? Uh, it was good to see that from Ebron. Uh, we didn't see kind of the silly drops that w- we've seen in a couple of games where he's gotten really down on himself. And on, on the other hand, you know, we, we talked about this before on the podcast, both you and Chapel and, and Dave and me. Eric Ebron, you know, you, you'll you'll hit him uh, right in stride and he'll he'll drop it. And then you'll have this ridiculous catch that, you know, maybe you'll make one in ten times. And he makes that one. That was one of those that you make in one in ten times. There was a little bit of a bobble. There's not much space there on the on that end zone line and at near the out of bounds and he, he got both feet down. And I, I thought in real time, I'm like, I know they called it incomplete. And I thought, you know what, I think they might want to take another look at that, or I want to at least get another look at that to see if he got those both feet in. And then, of course, we saw the replay, and like, oh, they've got to throw the challenge flag out. They did, and they got that touchdown.
0: Absolutely. When I first saw that ball thrown, I didn't think there was any way. Didn't think there was any chance anybody was going to be able to get that ball. Yeah. No, that looked like it was headed for the stands. It's high and outside. He gets one paw on it, brings it down. As soon as they showed the replay in the stadium, the crowd just goes nuts. So
1: Joe was at the game this at, week, yeah. whereas
0: I watched from home. So, I was at the game. I kind of h- had um, a feel in the stadium. It was like, eh, I don't know. And as soon as replay played, everyone went nuts. Eric, Ebon- Eric Ebron goes running across the field celebrating. Um, before the refs even officially overturned it, everybody in the stadium knew that was just an amazing catch.
1: So did you get a good view of it from the, on, the, on the big board there at, at Lucas Oil?
0: Yeah, yeah, I got the better view on the big board because, like I said, I just saw the high pass. I saw him get his hand on it, but from my angle, I couldn't really see the feet so much. And then once they showed the replay, you, you can see. Go, wow. Especially
1: the, the key was that first foot being clearly in, and then you know he was able to get that second one down. Uh, but it, it was a jaw dropper of a catch. Uh, like I couldn't believe. Like you said, it looked like they overshot him, but he reeled it in and somehow managed to get both feet in. I I still don't know how he did it. Yeah. So, uh, but it was good. He had a he had a solid game. Uh, one thing I liked about the Colts, you know, big plays have not been there for the offense. It has been a grind it out offense with very few exceptions. But this week they were able to make probably eight or nine big plays where, you know, they went for 19 or 20 yards. They had a few 30 yard plays they made this week in the passing game. Those have not been there for them in the past, you know, in the first five games uh, for the most part. But this week uh, they got them in, it
0: felt like they got them in bunches when they needed them. Absolutely, and like we talked about, they was all in the passing game. The longest run of the day was nine yards by Jordan Wilkins, but there were, let me count them, one, two, three, four, five different Colts who had receptions of 19 or more yards, which has been something that's missing throughout it's the whole missing season. It's
1: been missing all season, e- even in the Atlanta game where they had a lot of passing yards, it was more volume than it was big play.
0: Absolutely, and the Colts certainly, you, the Texans stacked the box, they filled the running lanes, and the Colts had to take advantage of their banged up secondary. I think they were down. Roby is starting cornerback. Jonathan Joseph returned to the field this game, but then left with an yep. injury during the game. And they
1: had a couple more guys that went out during the the course of the game too. So
0: absolutely. So they really just showed that whatever your hole is on offense, the Colts are capable of exploiting it.
1: And, and that's what I, I, the the biggest thing that I was excited about when they hired Frank Reich as coach is that. I felt like the Colts could get a schematic advantage sometimes with this guy's mind. He's, he's just got a good sense of how the game is flowing and then what you can do with the other team and can tailor that game plan to uh, what you think the other team's going to do. This week, the Texans thought the Colts were going to try to run the ball, so the Colts came out throwing. And, you know, sometimes with coaches, that's not the case. They'll, they'll be like, oh, we're stubborn. This is the way we're going to play football, and this is how we're going to do it. I think the Colts considered this week, you know, the running game may not be there, so we're going to just try to throw the ball. And they did, as we mentioned several times in the podcast already.
0: Absolutely. And it worked after those four touchdown passes. Brissett is now just one touchdown toss behind the lead league. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Matt Ryan have 15. Jacoby Brissett has 14. And two of those three guys are injured now. Absolutely, yeah. Two of them are hurt. Um, I'm not sure all of them have even had their buys yet, and the Colts have. So Brissett really has to make Colts fans smile after losing luck early in the season. And no interceptions this week,
1: another big key for them. Now, they did have the fumble uh, on the snap, and that led to some points, but we'll we'll get to the defensive side of that later. But, you know, uh, there weren't a lot of balls out there that that the Texans could have gotten to from an interception. I mean, Brissett was on his game.
0: He really was, and while they gave up just one sack, the Texans did get some pressure on him, and he handled it very well. I think he was eight, hit eight times, um, six of those times by J.J. Watt himself, still one of the best players in the league, although it seems uh, Aaron Donald gets a little more of the credit that Watt used to receive back in his heyday. But after the game, Watt uh, kind of said he was impressed with Brissett. He said, "We got we got after him, we hit him a bunch, Sometimes he gets the ball out while he's getting hit. Every time he gets hit, he pops up and keeps playing. Like I said, I respect that toughness. I respect the way he plays. Give him all the credit for it. Definitely earning respect around the league as he uh, is proving himself in a short period of time.
1: Well, Jacoby Brissett definitely took some shots. I mean, you you went over the numbers there, and and it did seem like they were— the Texans have a good pass rush, so let's not take anything away from them. The Colts have a good offensive line, but the Texans have a good pass rush. They they did some different packages and, and such. And JJ Watt's just a guy who he's going to flash. He's, he's going to free. He, he's going to get to you. Um, but they did a good job of not uh, of making Brissett did a good job of making sure those instances where they did get pressure on him didn't lead to a bad throw or a sack fumble or or something like that. I mean, even the fumble, the turnover that the Colts had had nothing to do with the Texans. It, it, was, it was a self-inflicted thing where he didn't quite catch the snap. And then, you know, he tried to, to get the ball and and was not able to, so the Texans recovered it at the at the four. But, um, yeah, no, Brissette, like I said, that's a tough dude out there because he did get hit several times yesterday.
0: Absolutely. And besides that one turnover, the Colts, once again, really not beating themselves out there. They win the penalty battle. Um, Texans had ten penalties for fifty four yards Colts six for forty five um, more than the yard so was the first down that the Texans penalties gave the Colts in a few in really key situations so Frank Wright has his boys playing great football they're not beating themselves, not turning the ball over they're not getting penalties they're going out there with smart game plans and executing
1: well and and penalties do tell the story of a game sometimes. On the Colts' drive, in which they went up twenty-eight to sixteen, which is sort of the the game-winning score for them, that was the go-ahead, and and that's what got them in the driver's seat for this game. The Texans gave up three first downs via penalty. Uh, one of them was after Jack Doyle had been called for a holding penalty, and it was like third and eleven. They got whistled for a defensive holding uh, on a third and goal. They got flagged for unnecessary roughness, um, and that was a, that was the one on Eric Ebron where the 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 defensive back just cleared him out for no particular reason. They could have called illegal, illegal illegal, uh, not illegal touching, but illegal contact. They could have called that. They could have called defensive holding. They could have called pass interference, even though the ball wasn't to him. The ball was in the air. Uh, that gave the Colts a first down on first and goal. Right after that, they got flagged for defensive holding again. And then the shovel pass to Pascal was the next play for a touchdown. So uh, they, they definitely hurt themselves on that drive.
0: And there were a few others where they, they gave a first down up to the Colts. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we kind of talked about the Houston defense playing a pretty good game besides the secondary and the back end. And the Colts played a very good defensive game as well. And they were down several key players. Um, once again, Kenny Moore, Malik Hooker, and Kamoko Torre, who was out for the season. But um, Darius Leonard did make his return it's after missing three good to see him back. He, made, he
1: definitely made it. When 53 is out there, you know that he's out there.
0: Yeah, he he just makes such a difference on that unit. He's one of the true playmakers that they have. Ten tackles, one pass defense, and the game-sealing interception. I don't think there's a lot of other linebackers in the NFL who could have made that play. I mean, it's a diving interception. Um, Kiki Cootie is bobbling it for the Texans as they're in Colts territory driving, trying to win the game with 26 seconds left. He just comes over like the maniac that he is, dives, takes it away from Cootie, and makes a great play.
1: I mean, what hands does that guy have?
0: Now, I know that he didn't have, like, complete control
1: of the ball, like, at times, uh, but It never hit the ground, and he he made sure that he secured that thing. Uh, It was a tremendous play. Reminded me uh, a little bit of the Oakland game last year, where he stripped the guy and 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 got the 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 ball that way and and got a key turnover for them. Um, Yeah, I know it was good to see Leonard back out there. Uh, It's funny, while the the defensive effort was really really good for the Colts this week, I felt it was kind of overall like you know a couple weeks ago we talked about like Kari Willis flashed for us or Joe. George Odom flashed for us. This week, it just kind of felt like a really cohesive defensive unit just playing well together.
0: It really did, and something that Mike Chappell talked about on the Thursday show is in 2018, the defense looked kind of rough for the first Mm -hmm. several weeks, and they got it together as the season went along, and that seems to be the case again this year Is defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus is finding ways to call the games to get his players in the right Places the right situations, and he's figuring out as the season goes along. So that's nice to see for the Colts. Uh, another player who made a key fourth quarter interception was Pierre Desir. He almost didn't play the game. I was say,
1: he didn't even think he's going to be able to play on Friday, yeah,
0: uh, because of his ham hamstr- was a hamstring injury. Is that
1: I think that's what he was uh, been dealing with and. Uh he was kind of this, uh, I'm just going to go test it out on Friday, see if I can practice. And thankfully for the Colts, he was able to play. Because he played very well. He was matched up. DeAndre Hopkins got his catches and he got his yards. But he never really
0: broke, like, the big one. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I mean, he had nine catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. But, I mean, for 10 yards a pop, that they didn't they didn't stop Hopkins, but they at least contained him. Like right. Yeah, they they
1: contained him. Yeah. Hopkins is kind of that guy like, like Hilton a lot of times. He's going to get his catches and he's going to get his yards. What you're trying to do is limit the damage to make sure that those nine catches aren't three of them for 30 yards and three touchdowns. You know you know what I mean. You're, you're trying to make sure that you contain that. And they they did a pretty good job, I think, on Hopkins. And uh, DeSeer came up with the big interception. I think the thing that probably disappointed me most about the, uh, the end of the game for the Colts uh, was a little more interesting than it could have been if the offense did just kind of stall. They had a chance to um, you know, they got a turnover, they got that interception, and then they were they weren't not they, they weren't in field goal range immediately, but with a couple of passes, a couple of plays, you get in field goal range, you get up by two scores. You can pretty much say goodnight Irene on this this game. They were not able to move the ball, so they punted it back. Then I think they had to turn over on downs where they couldn't do anything with that either. Um, and the four minute offense that we've talked about before was not quite able to do the job this week. Uh, but on the plus side of that, where the offense was struggling, the defense was coming through. So. Uh, I read a lot from a couple of people this week about complementary football with the Colts playing offense, defense, and complementing each other. And this week it was kind of at the end of the game, uh, it was on the defense's shoulders, and they're the ones who, who were able to pull them through.
0: Absolutely. You know, that's a good point you make about the offense not doing a lot towards the end of the game. No scoring in the fourth quarter whatsoever. The defense really held their own. Um, both of those interceptions during the fourth quarter. Um, when the Houston Texans were driving into Colts' territory. I think they were both around the Colts' 34 and 32. Um, So those were big plays. Desir had, uh, in addition to the interception, seven tackles, two more passes defended. So he had a spectacular game. Um, One of the keys to the game we did talk about Thursday was getting to Deshaun Watson, and the Colts were able to do that. Uh, Three sacks, two by Justin Houston, one by Jabal Sheard. Um, having those ends, being able to get to the quarterback makes a huge difference. Um, Not saying they're on the same level, but Got to give the Colts a little bit of reminders of those free-knee Mathis days yeah, coming off yeah, the edge yeah. and getting in the quarterback, six quarterback hits. So they did what they needed to do against Deshaun Watson.
1: And they never – he had a couple of nice runs, but he never had that big run. Yes. They, they, were, they did a good job of containing him for the most part. Uh, he's, he's one of the – it's sort of like we talk with Hopkins. He's going to get his catches. He's going to get his yards. Watson's the same way with his feet. He's going to break a run that's going to take a third and 11 and make it a first down. Um, it's just going to happen. But what you want to make sure that that run stops at being a 15-yard run and does not become a 40-yard
0: run. And the Colts never gave up that big run from him this week. Absolutely. Hopkins finished with 308 yards passing, uh, the one touchdown to Hopkins, two interceptions. Uh, Completed 23 of his 34 attempts and, like you said, another 32 on the ground. Uh, Will Fuller left the game with a hamstring injury early. The news on him is he is expected to miss several weeks. Uh, That's a big blow for the Texans. That guy, that's a good
1: complimentary receiver for Hopkins.
0: He really is, uh, but this kind of happens every year. I don't think he's ever played yeah, a complete yeah, you're, season. You're absolutely right with him. And um, them having Kenny Stills, I think, really makes a difference because Stills is that speed. He's that field stretcher. He can play the same role as Will Fuller. He finished with four catches for 100 yards. So the Texans are still going to be formidable going forward in that next game that they play. Um, I think that's like five weeks down the road, but that's going to be huge because Texans they're not just going to roll over after this. They're going to get some wins as well, and I, I still think this will be a close race for the division win.
1: Well, and, you know, it, it, even though they, they, they lost this one, they still kept it close on the road in Indy. The the games between these teams the last few seasons have all been close. There was a time when the Colts had never lost to the Texans, and you knew that would never going to to hold. Uh, they found some creative ways to lose games in the, in the Peyton Manning era. Uh, the Texans did. And they just the Colts seem to have their number. It's sort of ebbed and flowed over the past few seasons, um, but yeah, that 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 matchup here in a few weeks is going to be big. But the Colts have the one up right now. They they got the win. Um, the, the Texans have played one more game than the Colts because of the the schedule. The Colts had their bye earlier, um, but they're in the driver's seat because you know they have the head to head tiebreaker right now. And it's early in the season. We can't really talk playoffs. You know, I can't really talk that yet. But you got to be start thinking about the division leading the Colts are in a really good position right now
0: these are the kind of games that in December or when you're vying for a playoff spot that you look back to and can make or break your season and the Colts coming away with this win is massive it cannot be overstated while the Kansas City win was maybe bigger on a Colts being an underdog-type basis, this win might be more important down the road as it, like you said, gives them the tiebreaker against Houston. They still have one more game to play on the road in Houston, but this game is really one of those big check marks that the team needed to check off before they moved on and kind of entered, you know, approaching halfway through the year.
1: Well, and you just always want to, if you can win your division games, it's it's so important because... You know, unless you're the Dolphins or some of these teams that just don't have a chance right now, as long as you can keep near uh, a game above 500 or at 500, all it takes is a little bit of a winning streak, and you get a chance to make the wild card. You get a chance to win your division. So when you can win this game here, you know maybe they end up with the same record at the end of the season, but maybe they've beaten the Texans twice, so they're the ones who end up with you know the the home playoff game. And that's why these are so essential that you win, especially these head-to-head games in the division.
0: Absolutely. Colts 2-0 in the division so far, week two beating the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. Um, We'll get to Tennessee on a bit. They had an interesting game, but a few more notes on the Colts. Um, As good as they did against Deshaun Watson, they probably did even better on the ground. Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson combined for 69 yards on 19 carries, no touchdowns for Houston um so that was really key is you know in order to shut down Watson you really got to stifle the run first and make the Texans play kind of one-dimensional
1: which they were able to do that and then the big a big key uh of course the run defense struggled earlier in the year so it's good to see it kind of kind of find its bearings a little bit Uh, but the big difference was red zone efficiency Uh, when the Colts got there they got touchdowns when the Texans got there they got field goals I mean they even got the ball off that fumble I think they got that inside the five yard line they ran three plays got nothing out of it and ended up having to go with field goal so uh, you know and that's that's your difference in the game there. Um, what what did you think of the the one that they whistled dead that uh, could have been a DeAndre Hopkins touchdown?
0: The sack that was really odd. Uh, from being in the stands, I, I really didn't understand what happened on that play until I got home and looked on it afterwards. From watching it in real time, I, it just looked like Deshaun Watson fought off a tackle and threw a touchdown. I I, I really. Didn't think that should have been called a sack. To be honest,
1: yeah, I, I, I get where they're trying to. They said, "Well, they whistled the play dead for player safety." Well, as soon as they whistled the play, Jabal Sheard just yeah runs right right into right into Watson and, and knocks him over. So I'm like, "Yeah, player safety." Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I understood where they were coming from on the call, but in real time, it was like, "Oh crap! How did that guy manage to get that touchdown?" we we've seen that before. We watched Andrew Luck play for all those years where, you know, he would shrug off tacklers and you'd think he was going down, but he'd find somebody. I just thought that had been what happened on that play. Now, I understand why they would call him down in the grasp. On the other hand, I'm like, to me, it just looked like he wasn't going down.
0: Yeah, so. it's it, it's one of those weird areas the NFL's gotten themselves into where I get it. they Player safety is important and they want less players to get hurt. But at a certain point, you got to let football still be football. And until that man is tackled on the ground, I think he should be able to throw it. And
1: it wasn't like he was strongly held up either. It's not like a guy had him around the waist and was pulling him back. They had him around the legs. Yeah, And he could always wrangle himself out of that. We've seen it dozens of times with that guy. So, yeah, it it was one of those things, you know, sometimes you just need a break. And for the Colts, that was a break. And instead of a touchdown in that case, they gave up a field goal. So that's a defensive win, and it was Justin Houston who got
0: credit for the sack there. Absolutely, and it, it, all things you know be equal, it probably evens out over the course because how many what you know we might interpret as bogus roughing the passer calls do yeah. these quarterbacks get, and so having one go against them like that, I feel like it kind of evens out, if not still lands in the quarterback's favor more times than not. I, th-
1: I think you're probably right in in this particular case. I, I just know that for the. For the Texans, that had to be a tough one to swallow. Because for for fans watching the game, it looks like just Deshaun Watson just being Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you, yeah. you know, it uh, like he just uh, made a great play, getting getting out of the avoiding the pressure. You know, being so strong and 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 stuff, and then finding the receiver. Uh, the other weird aspect of that too is that it almost looked like DeAndre Hopkins may have fumbled that ball while he was in the end zone, which I. Th- I'm not sure that he caught the ball even oh okay. like like it it was close I think. I think it probably was a catch and a touchdown because you can't fumble in the end zone Yeah, once you're there. But you could probably also make the argument that he didn't complete the catch. Maybe if they had to take a look, if they had called that a touchdown, I think they would have had to take another look at that aspect of the play just to make sure that he got the ball, got two feet down, you know,
0: and and got in the end zone. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even see that. Like I said at the game, it it was they ruled it a sack, (laughs) didn't show another replay. it, 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 (laughs) It was
1: all around just kind of a weird
0: play. We'll just say that. All right. Well, uh, the Colts certainly have a schedule that, you know, everything's unpredictable in the NFL, but if you could pick a schedule, it'd probably look something close to this. Um, moving forward, the Colts have a home game against the Broncos. Then uh, they play at Pittsburgh, home game against the pathetic, is it fair to call them that, pathetic Miami Dolphins?
1: Oh, the Dolphins, my gosh, man. I You know, they they had uh, the battle of the winless teams the other day, you know, last week, and just like, I guess one of these teams has to get a win, you know, because somebody ultimately. I'm surprised it didn't end up in a zero zero tie. <laughs> honestly, yes. that game. Uh, but yeah, they're they're bad, man. And I just, I don't know if they'll get any better. I just, I don't know what they I don't know
0: what their concept is there. I mean, this is this just reminds me of the trust the process seventy sixers <laughs> yeah. where they just completely <laughs> tank and trade away all their decent assets and just try and start over, but. Uh, that's that's just a really tough situation. You got to kind of feel bad for some of the players on that Miami team. Oh,
1: it's awful. You don't want to be on a team like that. I mean, it's it's one thing to to lose uh, and and not not win a game, but the games be close. You're just a bad team. That yeah, that happens. We've seen a couple Colts teams like that when their quarterbacks have been injured. You know, even the the year that Jacoby Brissett started the 15 games, that was not a good football team. Uh, but they kept things close, and it wasn't like completely. Im- it, it was a rough season to watch but it wasn't completely embarrassing for these Dolphins players some of these games they've gone out on the field and it's just like you know you're the JV team and you're playing up against the varsity and it's just not even it's not even fair
0: yeah it, it's tough it's got to be tough as a player when management is not even trying to win no no um but yeah I mean you look at the Colts you got the two and five Broncos at home the two and four Steelers in Pittsburgh, but. I mean, we'll see who's playing quarterback for them at that time. Hopefully, Mason Rudolph is able to recover from that tough mm-hmm. hit he's yes. sustained. But you know, backup quarterback, you got to feel good going into that one. Um, then the zero six Dolphins at home, and the three and four Jaguars. Before you got to p- play uh, Houston again. Again, over the no- next four games, I mean. Th- at least 3-1? Yeah, at least 3-1. You should. If
1: you can't beat these uh, teams, I'm, I'm not going to say that they have to go 4-0, four, four and oh, because you just you never know. If the freak things happen, uh, you could have a key injury. You could have a bad call. You could have a, just something that doesn't break your way, because even some of these teams, uh, even though the records are bad, they've still beaten teams that you didn't expect them to beat, the exception being the Dolphins. If they lose the Dolphins, I'm just going yeah, to throw something. I will throw something through the window. Um <laughs> but so you just can't guarantee that you're going to go 4-0 but they definitely should win uh, most they are positioned to win most of these games these are not good football teams no. that, that that they're that they're playing um, the, the jaguars game you know you always kind of put an asterisk by that because defensively they just over the last few seasons, they've just got something. Division on, games on the Colts. are always wild. Division games—you just don't know what to expect. Uh, but they should beat the Broncos. They should beat the Steelers. They should beat the Dolphins. They should beat the Jaguars. Um, and we've seen them beat the Texans. But then again, that was at home, and we've got four more weeks of football to play until we get there. So you can't you can't bank on that one either. But the Colts should be able to position themselves well for maintaining that division lead.
0: Absolutely. I agree with you. Broncos and Dolphins at home should be gimmies. Division games are always weird. And you know what? On the road, Pittsburgh still has a good defense. Right. and yep. It's a tough place to play despite run the, the personnel. Yeah. yeah. So, crazier things have happened. Um, but you got to feel good about that going forward than the Texans then at home against the Titans. So, if the Colts can handle their business over the next six games, they're really setting themselves up well um, in the playoff picture. Taking a look around the rest of the AFC South right now, the Jaguars and Titans both won their contests, so they move up to 3 and 4, um pretty close division if you just look at the standings mm-hmm. right
1: now. Absolutely, yes. They they are. Everything's everything it, It's funny because we we kind of went from a couple of weeks ago, oh, look at the mediocrity of the AFC South, and it's still kind of there, but things are starting to tighten up a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Um Something I thought was interesting, Ryan Tannehill, in his first start as a Titan, went 23 of 29 for 312 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, Really seemed to produce a lot more than Mariota, so the Titans might be a little... It looks like I would say they are better with Tannehill than Mariota. I have not thought highly of Mariota for some time now.
1: No, He's just kind of one of those players. We keep waiting. We keep waiting. We keep thinking, oh, they keep telling us about how good he looks in practice or this and that. And he'll have this big game, and then you'll be like, oh, here it is. Finally, Mariota's arrived. But then the next week, he just can't do it. And the next week, he can't do it. And then he'll have one of those great games again. And then and he's never played I can't recall in which he's played well against the Colts ever since he's been in the league
0: no no Colts have seemed to really have his number and um, um, so that'll be interesting to see how the Titans fare moving forward they beat the Chargers who I would say most everybody thought they were at least AFC contenders oh yeah they're just falling on their faces right now two and five Um, they seem to have been cursed since Melvin Gordon returned to the team Um, they had things rolling with Austin Eckler um, Gordon, two yards of carry on sixteen carries Sunday. Really not looking good. On the other side, the Jaguars be a zero and seven Bengals team, twenty seven to seventeen. So while they got the victory, can't exactly say that they uh, made an impressive image on a terrible, <laughs> terrible Bengals team. There, Minshew got it done, two hundred fifty five and a touchdown for net. Carrying the workload as long as he stays healthy, 29 carries, but um, you know what, the, that that Bengals team, eh, I guess it's technically a win, but you just go, okay, what do they do next week? When, yeah. when you're talking about the Jaguars, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure you can really take too much out of that. So that is where things stand right now. The Colts have a slight division lead uh, moving forward, so... Any uh, anything else before we wrap things up here, Matt?
1: Well, I was just pleased to see the Colts take care of business against uh, divisional foe at home, uh, and happy to see them do it in in maybe ways that you didn't expect. Because you know, when they, they beat Kansas City, they played a lot of man defense on um, on their receivers there, and they pounded the ball because everybody knows that Kansas City's uh, run defense is terrible. This week, you know, they kind of came out and they did the opposite of what you thought they were going to do, which I think good coaching staffs are able to do and get you prepared for and that they were able to execute that game plan get some big plays in the passing game which is really the one thing that we have not seen from the Colts offense they finally hit some of those big passes um, so that that's that's where where I stand and that the 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 offense kind of flagged at the end of the game they, they were not able to, to do what we've seen them do the past couple of weeks and close out those games but the defense was able to pick them up and i think you know like you said earlier being able to win games multiple ways that is what you want from your football team
0: absolutely i think um a good point you know as a team that Luck retires right before the season. Every I know we keep bringing this up, but it's really gonna be a storyline of the season. No matter what happens, is Luck retiring two weeks prior to the beginning of the season? The Colts go from being AFC contenders, maybe even Super Bowl contenders, to. All of a sudden, no one knows what this team right. is. Right? Yeah, it's
1: going to be a seven and nine team or an eight and eight team, and that's yeah. if they have a good
0: year. And now they're sitting at four and two, and they're in charge of their division. And I think each week they're kind of checking off. Okay, what is this team? Oh, oh, they can do this. We didn't know they could do that. They can do this. We didn't know they can do that either. Each week they're kind of proving something new that. You know, just being a team with a new leader in Jacoby Rousset, we didn't know if they were capable of. So I think that's very encouraging for Colts fans moving forward. And you know what? Another thing, Malik Hooker might be back next week Might be back soon. That'll
1: be good. It's good to see Clayton Gathers back this week. Uh, I also wanted to mention, I don't want to give too much credit to the other team, but uh, I thought it was a pretty savvy call for the Texans to take that safety late in the game uh, because – if they were able to get the defensive stop on the Colts. They were able to get the ball back and had a chance to tie the game. So, uh, with better, what they figured would be better field position. So, I will give them props for. It's not a common thing that you see a a lot of times A team intentionally taking a safety I know they've done it, it's happened before in the past Of annals of football, you do the math Where you are, but um, I thought that was a pretty gutsy call on their part
0: Sure, yeah, this was certainly a game in which You saw several plays that you don't See every Sunday. Yeah,
1: the Colts went for it On some fourth and shorts, and the the Texans went on it for some fourth and shorts Too, uh, in some interesting field Positions, and sometimes it worked out, and sometimes It didn't, so uh, it's kind of a chess match Out
0: there (laughs) in in that way. It really, really well, uh, that'll wrap things up here on the Colts of Blue Zone podcast. Uh, we will be back Thursday to preview the Colts game against the Broncos. I am Joe Hopkins. You can find me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. You can follow the podcast and everything Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. And Matt, I believe you're on Twitter at, Stato at Stato Maddie, Statomatty. At Statomatty. S T A T O M A T T Y. At Statomatty. All right. We'll have a great Monday, everybody, and thanks for listening.